So I'm really excited about a movie that's coming out next summer. It's called Batman v Superman. I'm very excited about this. I'd like to say it's just my kids that are excited, but it's really me. I'm very excited about this. And so you have two camps, right? You have two camps. The one camp says, you know, Superman's going to take this. He's Superman. He is a Superman. Okay, how are you going to beat him? In fact, I was watching this interview with some of the people that play some of the Avengers characters, and they were saying, like, how do you fight Superman? They feel like Superman would take out their whole squad in one shot. Okay, so there's the Superman uh, crew. Then you have the Batman crew, and you got some people saying, no, man, Batman will outwit him, he'll outsmart him, he'll get him his hand on some kryptonite or something crazy, and it'll be awesome. So here's what I want to do. I just want to see how many of you guys, your money's on Superman. Come on, who do, you, who do we got? All right. How many of you guys are, are, are all about Batman? Anybody? Wow. Overwhelmingly Batman. Wow. In the morning service, it was the complete opposite, but uh, all right, pretty good split, pretty good split. Well, there is a rivalry that's been going on way longer than Batman and Superman. I mean, Batman and Superman, you know, duking it out, that sounds pretty cool. But there's a rivalry that's been going on way, way longer than that. And it's between the law and faith. And there are these two camps. And you got your law people and your faith people. And you got people in the law camp that are saying, hey, it's all about the law. A right relationship with God is about following the rules. If you want to be right with God, you got to follow the law and get yourself into that right standing with him. And then you have the other camp. And they're the faith camp. They say, no, it's all about faith. You see, it's about putting your faith in Jesus and what he's done for you. Jesus died on the cross and he rose back from the dead. And if you put your faith in him, then you're in a right relationship with God. It's all about your faith. And so we have these two kind of sides battling it out. And we're going to spend a few weeks just talking about which one leads to heaven, which one leads to a right relationship with God, which one wins in this battle of law versus Faith. This is really important because there are so many different questions that come up and there's a lot of confusion over this. I mean, even if you you say, hey, I'm a pretty mature Christian or, you know, we got all different types of people in the crowd tonight. We got some theologians. We got some pastors in the crowd tonight. We have some of you guys that would say, I don't even know what I believe. I don't know if God's there. Or maybe you'd say, I'm pretty sure he's not there. And then we have all kinds of people in between those two extremes. And so with all these different people in the room, And with sort of all different beliefs and understandings we have, even the strongest theologian gets a little confused and tripped up when it comes to this law versus faith stuff. Because quite honestly, it is a little bit confusing. So we're going to look at this for the next few weeks. It actually started as a one-part message, and I was like, oh dang, this is two now. And okay, all right, we're going out to three. Because as I was looking through it, it just kept kind of growing and expanding. And so I just want this to be clear And I want you guys to be able to walk out of here each week going, okay, I understand this a little bit more and I get this and I see how it impacts my life and the difference it makes for me. So that's what we're going to do for these next few weeks. So let's talk about each of these rivals, okay? Because when I mention the law, sometimes you may think I'm thinking about keeping the law that like the police enforce. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about not going through red lights and not trespassing. I'm not talking about making sure you don't take the tags off your mattresses. You know, did you guys know that's illegal? Do you know that? You Go ahead. You go home and you look at your masters. There's a tag that says, under penalty of law, do not remove this tag. I promise you. And I actually found out, because I'm just this cool, I actually found out what this is all about. I was interested. What, what does that mean? And so it's actually not for you. You can breathe easy, my friends, okay? It's actually for the people who sell the mattresses. They're not allowed to take the tags, which just got me thinking. What if you're the poor soul that accidentally rips the tag off? You just imagine your first day in prison on that one, Right? You're sitting out in the yard, everyone's bragging about why they're in there. Yeah, I stabbed a guy. Yeah, I embezzled billions of dollars. What'd you do? I tore the tag off a mattress. Yeah, that's just a bad day for you, right? So no, I'm not talking about that law, okay? I'm not talking about the law that the police enforce. When I talk about the law, 
I'm talking about the Mosaic Law. Now, what does that mean? Why do they call it the Mosaic Law? Because the law was given by God to Moses. And so they call it the Mosaic Law. And there are people for thousands upon thousands of years that have thought the way to be right with God is all about keeping that law. And so this is like the famous Ten Commandments. You know, all those, right? Honor your father and mother and no gods before me and don't steal and don't lie and don't commit adultery and all those. But then there's like so many more commandments. Those are the famous ten, but there's a ton of them. And for thousands of years, people have believed if I do that, God will love me. If I follow those rules to the best of my ability, God will accept me. And so there are major religions that say it's all about this law-keeping. I would guess there are people in the room here tonight that would say, I'm about that. I, I think that's what it is. Or maybe you wouldn't even say that's really what you're striving to do in life. But you've always thought that the way you get right with God is by keeping the rules. After the morning service, somebody came up to me and said, I, I was that guy. I, until today, I, I, I finally understood something I never understood before. And so maybe that's where you are today. Um, if you're a follower of Jesus, here's what I want to say to you. I would guess many of us in the room would say, hey, you know what? I don't think it's about the law. I think it's about faith, but here's what I think we may struggle with. I think we rely on our performance more than we think. I think we make it about our ability to please God, or we make it about our lack of ability to please God sometimes more than we're aware of. So I'll just kind of let that sit for a minute. And so that's what the law is. Now we're going to look at faith. Now faith says, this, this, this camp, the people in that camp that are arguing and saying, no, it's all about faith, Faith says Jesus, God in the flesh, came into our world and he lived a perfect life and he died in our place and he rose back from the dead. And the only way you get into a right relationship with God is if you put your faith in what Jesus did. If you trust in him, if you believe in him. We're going to talk about what that really looks like a little bit here in this message. So there are your rivals. Law, keeping the rules, doing the right thing, earning God's favor, or faith, trusting in what Jesus did for you and I. This is a big deal because like I said, this can be really confusing. I have a friend that said, I think the law is the simplest yet most complex thing. And I would 100% agree with that statement. As you read the Bible, you're like, okay, I think I understand the law. And then you like get to like a few chapters later, you're like, wait, what just happened? And then you get a few books later, then you get to the, the New Testament and you're like, what is going on now? And, and so it can be very confusing. It brings up lots of different questions. I'll give you some examples of some of these questions. If it's all about the law, then why is there so much talk in the Bible about faith? Right? So that's, that's kind of confusing. If it's all about faith, then why are the laws in the Bible? Why did God give Moses the law in the first place? And why does it continue to seem to be important? Could it be a combo deal? Is it like some faith plus some keeping the law? Because there are religions that say, yeah, that's pretty much it. You do your part, God does his part. Is that right? What about this thought? If I put my trust in myself, if I think it's about the law and keeping the rules... And can I pull that off? Am I, am I good enough? Am I going to own that? Am I okay with that? Is, is it okay that I'm making it about my performance? And then the opposite's true. If you'd say, no, it's all about faith in Jesus, can he pull that off? Can you trust him to save you? So this brings up some great questions, right? Some of us in the room would say, I think it's about faith. And yet you would say, if you're honest, that sometimes you try to earn stuff from God. Some of us in the room would say, I think it's about faith, but when I don't perform the way I know God wants me to, I feel less loved and less accepted. And so what is it about? Is it about law, or is it about faith, or is it about some mixture of both? Then it gets even further, right? Because some of us, as we read the Bible, 
We read the first half of the Bible, which is called the Old Testament, and it seems like God's all about the law. And then we read the second half of the Bible, which is called the New Testament, and it seems like God's all about faith. But then in the Old Testament, you see some faith, and in the New Testament, you see some law. It's like, what is going on here? How does this work? Did God change his mind? Was God up to one thing for the first several thousand years of human history, and now he's been up to another thing, the last 2,000? And how does this all play out? And then I think the biggest question of all is, if we determine that it's about faith and not the law, then what about doing the right thing? Do I have to do the right thing? If it's about faith and it's about grace, then what does it matter how I live? So it brings up a lot of great questions. And so we're going to be here for about three and a half hours tonight, and I'm glad you guys are joining us. No, thankfully we have three weeks to talk about this stuff because this is some deep stuff. And, and really, here's what I want to do tonight. I want us to just to kind of get our feet wet tonight, okay? I don't know if any of you guys have been in the pool, but every time I, uh, I'm, I'm going over somebody's house, going into a pool, I always want to know how cold or warm the water is, right? Before I jump in, I'm, I'm ready to jump in, but I want to just know what I'm getting into. My father-in-law, it likes it like at 30 degrees Fahrenheit. It's torture. And then some other people like it like a bath, you know? And so that always kind of skews me out. Anyway, so, so you know, I'm always going over there and just kind of dipping my feet in the water and just getting my feet wet and seeing what it's like. And that's what we're going to do tonight, okay? And next week, we're going to wade in a little deeper. And by week three, we're going to go pretty deep. We're going to go pretty far. But I just want you to know, because we have such a different uh, so many different types of people in the room tonight. I want to sort of lay a foundation tonight and get us all on the same page so that we can take a step forward next week and then a step for even further the week after. And so that's what the next couple of weeks are going to look here like. And so there's a lot here at stake. Does Jesus save us? Do we save ourselves? There's a lot here at stake when it comes to just thinking about the law. Do I have to keep the law? Do I ignore the law? Do I just sort of like turn my Bible every time it says do or don't? Or does that still matter? And so that's what we're going to be talking about these next several weeks. And so thankfully, there were people in the Bible that were also confused about this. Okay, there were these people in this place called Galatia. And so Paul wrote the people in Galatia a letter with an incredibly creative name. It was called Galatians. I know, I, I didn't see that coming either. And so he writes this letter to them. And he, he, he has a relationship with the people in Galatia. And so he writes this letter to them. And, and they're confused about some of the things we're confused about. Because here's what was going on in Galatia. The people had put their faith in Jesus, and then some people got in their, in their ear and started to say, hey, it's about the law. Like, why are you putting your trust in Jesus? No, no, no. Lean back toward doing the right thing. You know, don't make it so much about putting your faith in Jesus, but, you know, observe this festival and observe this holiday religiously and do these things to make sure that God accepts you. And so Paul writes to them, and he's going, well, this is, this is weird. What's going on here? You, you were doing this, now you're doing that. And, and so Paul kind of writes things to straighten things out a little bit. And Paul's the perfect person to do this because Paul was an amazing law keeper. He was all about the law. And then all of a sudden, he comes into contact with Jesus, and he seems to become all about faith, yet he still talks about doing the right thing. And so it's like this whole thing, this tension that we feel, right, in our Christian life. Or maybe it's, I'm not a Christian, I'm just checking this out, but I always thought about doing the right thing, and I hear about faith. And, and so no matter where we are here in the room, I think this series will encourage us. I think we're going to learn some stuff. And even tonight, for some of you guys that would say, hey, I kind of know where I think where you're going with this tonight, Doug. I just want to encourage you, because I think if you'll sit with me and you'll hang through some of what we're going to talk about tonight— It'll impact you. And I'm going to ask you some questions toward the end of the service here tonight that I think might get you thinking about your own heart with, with all the things we're talking about here tonight. And so we're going to look at Galatians chapter 3, 
verse 1. We're going to be in Galatians 3 this week, next week, and the beginning of week 3. And then we're going to jump to Galatians 5 a little bit. And let me say this about Galatians 3. It is really a confusing chapter. It is not one of those easy chapters. Like, nobody's got many verses from Galatians 3, like, somewhere on, like, their Bible cover or on, like, a refrigerator magnet, okay? It's a, it's a confusing chapter, okay? And so I'm going to do my best to explain. Again, remember, we got theologians to people who don't even know what they're, what they're thinking about any of this stuff here tonight. And so I'm going to try to make this clear for everybody, all right? So Paul starts out in Galatians 3, verse 1. He says this, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you. Now, Paul is known for his sensitivity and gentleness, um, as you can see here. Like, what's going on? Paul, like, goes for the jugular here, and I think it's because he's so passionate about these people believing the right thing, right? He's like, hey, what's going on here? I mean, he just, he really is kind of letting them have it, because I think he's trying to wake them up a little bit, and and let me just say this. If you're a Christian in the room, and you're like, Doug, I, I know what I believe about this kind of stuff, and all right, that's great. The Galatians thought they knew what they believed about stuff too. And they kind of got derailed and got a little sidetracked, didn't they? And so maybe tonight, you and I, we need to be woken up a bit. As I've been preparing for this message, I've been trying to let it hit my heart. Okay, now I'm no, nobody special, but man, I've been around church my whole life. My dad's a pastor, my father-in-law's a pastor, my bro- I have two brother-in-laws that are pastors, several cousins that are pastors. I think our pets are possibly saved in my house. I'm not sure about that or not. I mean, so I, like, you know, I've been around it my whole life, but I need to hear this stuff tonight too, okay? And so... Paul's coming on strong here, and he says this, Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. And so Paul is reminding the people of something. He's saying, okay, I've heard you guys are going back to the law recently. I've heard you guys are going back to works. I've heard you guys are trying to earn stuff from God. He says, don't you remember I told you Jesus was crucified for you? Why are you trying to add to that? Ready, Christians in the room? My question for you right up front. Have you been trying to add to what Jesus has done for you lately? Have you been trying to help him save you? Or are you resting securely in what God did for you? I need to hear that. That's something that I need to work through in my own heart and my own life. Because yeah, there are times I try to help him. There are times I try to add to what Jesus has done. Here's Paul going, guys, You don't have to add anything. Jesus died in your place. He took the penalty for your sin. He was brutally killed so that you could have life. You remember I told you about that? That's what Paul's saying here. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, are you resting securely in that? If If you're not a follower of Jesus, are you trying to earn your way to him? Are you trying to work your way to him. Verse 2, he says, I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Now, what's he saying here? Paul's saying here, okay, God gives the Holy Spirit to anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. Now, let me ask you something, Galatians. Did, did you guys think he gave you his Spirit because you were behaving so well or because you put your faith in him as a loving, gracious God? Just, just let's, let's talk this through. Let's straighten this out. Which, which way do you think it's going? And so here's this big law v. faith question. Verse 3, are you so foolish? More love from Paul. Thank you, Paul. After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? So here he is saying, all right, you know you put your trust in Jesus. And, and what does this mean that we have the Spirit in our life? We're going to talk a lot about that in week three, okay? But 
He's saying, okay, God gave you his spirit, and the Holy Spirit's been doing all these amazing things in your life, and are you now trying to attain things from God or get things or receive things from God by human effort? He's asking all these tough questions for these guys. Now, this next verse is a little confusing because of one of the words that doesn't doesn't quite get translated the way we understand it. Verse 4 says this, Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Now, this is lost in translation. Every time I've, I've read this verse, I've always thought that basically what it means is, okay, have you suffered so much for nothing? In other words, um, it sounds like maybe they were put in prison or they were ostracized from the community or maybe they were made fun of and mocked for being followers of Jesus. So they suffered. And Paul's saying, hey, remember all the suffering you went through? Have you suffered all that for nothing? But actually, as you look at this, the Greek word here, because Paul wrote this in the Greek, the Greek word suffer doesn't mean what you and I think it means. The word suffer actually means this, to experience something pleasant or a special blessing. Now, you and I are like, what? That's not what that word means. I know, not for us, but that's what it meant when Paul wrote it. And so as the Galatians are reading this, really what they're hearing is, have you experienced so many amazing things that God's done for you for nothing? Now, I do want to warn you, guys in the room, because we're not always that bright, okay? Bro to bro, little talk here. Okay, I don't want you to think you should take this newly found information of this Greek word and try to use it to, you know, encourage your wife or girlfriend. Because that's not going to go well. You know, I'll encourage you later after she cooks for you. I don't want you guys to say, man, honey, I just got to tell you, I suffered greatly during this meal. Right? I'm just promise you the suffering is only about to begin then. All right? That's what's going to happen there. So just be careful with that. Okay? But what Paul is saying here, maybe the easiest way for us to understand it is to say it like this. Have you had such remarkable experiences for nothing? Have you experienced God doing so many great things? What Paul's trying to say is, hey, God's done so much in your life since you put your faith in him. He's given you peace and joy. He's answered prayer. He's probably healed some of you. He's done all these great things. Have you had all these remarkable experiences for nothing? You, you, you seem to just be throwing away what Jesus did for you because of his grace and going back to trying to earn things from him. And then he says this, Ask a couple more questions. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? So he asked these kind of two questions. He says, okay, so God gave you the Holy Spirit. Did he do that because you earned it? And you know what? God works some miracles in your lives. Did you do that based, did he give you that based on your behavior? You know, have you ever done that? Have you ever looked to God and said, God, I've been pretty good lately, so please bless me. You know, I haven't been cursing as much, so would you do this? I, I, I really, I've stopped, I'm gossiping maybe a third of the time I used to. Could you help me out with this? Could you heal so-and-so? Could you provide? Because I'm really, I mean, look at me. I'm doing pretty good here. I'm performing, right? I know I, I used to do that when I was a kid. I mean, my dad's here. He could tell you that I, I, I got in trouble, and, and it wasn't your fault. It was my fault, Dad. I'm sorry. So, so, so my, man, my man over here, you know, he had to sometimes discipline me and sometimes re- hold me back, which I'm thankful for now, youngins. I'm thankful for now. And so um, as a younger kid, I remember there were times I wanted to go do something, and I knew my parents were never going to let me. And so I would go and try to appeal to them in a way that I sort of based off my what I thought was good behavior. You know, so I'd enter the room, and I'd say, dearest father and mother, John's parents are journeying to the Outer Banks for a fortnight. I believe it would be my best interest to enjoy some time in his empty place of residence while his parents are on holiday. And albeit we may not have adequate parental guidance, I beseech that you recall to memory that my grades have improved quite swimmingly lately, and that my overall attitude has been that of an upstanding citizen. To which they would look back and say, and son, 
Should we forget that you recently broke your closet door with a baseball bat, that you lead the school in detentions, and you fell through a skylight throwing water balloons at people? (laughs) At which point I would look back and say, so I can go, right? (laughs) I also wasn't very bright. (laughs) But you know what? When I tried to make it about my performance and my ability, that was never a good idea. Because I wasn't performing that well. I didn't perform in a way that would give my parents any reason to let me do things that probably weren't the best idea anyway. And you know what? When you and I approach God based on our performance and and we're saying, hey God, I've kept the law really well or I've kept the rules really well or I'm pleasing you really well. Now bless me, God. That's not the way God works. It's not the way he works when it comes to salvation or just the answers to prayer he gives us or any of the things he gives us. You know, hear me real out on this. God gives us answered prayer because he's good, not because we're good. He gives us salvation because he's good, not because we're good. And so if you and I are approaching God based on our performance, we're in trouble. Listen, answer this question honestly. Do you really want God to either give you things or withhold things from you based on your performance? I know I don't. I know I'd be in trouble. I know I need his grace. I know I need him to give me things I don't deserve. I need salvation from him, which I don't deserve. So Paul's asking this question. Did God give you the spirit and did he give you all these different answers to prayer and miracles based on your performance? And the answer is no. God gave the Holy Spirit salvation and any miracle anybody's ever experienced because they believed that he was gracious and a good dad that loves them. That's what this all comes down to. And so our role in all of this is not to keep the law, but to have faith in the love of Jesus and what he's accomplished for us. Now we're going to spend, like I said, the next two weeks, we're going to spend a lot of time taking apart these next several verses that come after verse five. But so that we can kind of just keep this sort of getting our feet wet tonight, everybody on the same page, we're going to jump to verse 21 and wrap up this thought. Okay. So Paul says in verse 21, he says, for if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. So those of us in the room that are still going, I still think it has something to do with keeping the the rules and keeping the law. Paul's saying, look, if that could have saved us, okay. But guess what? The law can't save. None of us could keep the law. There's one person that kept the law, and it was Jesus. Do you know what that means? That means perfect God entered a human body and walked the earth and he never lusted. He never acted out of arrogance. He never hated anybody, even the people putting nails through his hands. He never disobeyed authority. He never gossiped. He never lied. He never cheated. He never stole. He never committed sexual impurity or adultery or any of those things. Listen, he lived the life you and I couldn't live. He lived it for you and I. And if he'd messed up once, the whole plan would have failed. But perfect God didn't fail, walked in our place and kept the law we could never keep as a part of this plan of rescuing us. And then he says this in verse 22. If you're wondering, well, what's wrong with the law? Why, why can't keeping the law work? Verse 22 says this, but the scripture declares that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. That's why keeping the law doesn't work because we're prisoners to sin. We can't keep the law because we're stuck in our sin. 
don't know if you guys have ever seen either the show or the advertisement for the show. I've actually never seen the show itself, but I've seen the advertisements a bunch of times. You know that show, Under the Dome? You guys have seen the commercials for this or whatever? And it's like this whole community is under this dome. It's like, I don't know, like a force field or something. I don't know, some mystery, some sci-fi lost thing. Who knows? And so there it is. And it just seems like from the commercials I've seen that people that are under the dome can't get out. They're stuck. And people outside the dome can't get in. They're stuck. And guys, that's a picture of really what, what has happened for all mankind. We're under this dome of sin, under the dominion of sin, under its power, and we're stuck, and we're prisoners to it. And here is the great news for you and I tonight, is that Jesus entered the dome. Jesus came, and he broke through. He entered our world, and he freed us from that prison. And so you and I can't keep the law because we're prisoners of sin. We can't do the right thing. And that's why Jesus came to do it for us. And then it says this, so that what was promised, you ready for this? Being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The law can't save is what Paul says there. But for every one of us who believes, who puts our faith in Jesus, We're given this life in him. We're given freedom from that prison of sin. We're given eternity with God. We're given a right standing before God, not based on our ability, but 100% based on Jesus and what he's done for us. And so that's, I hope, the discovery that we make together tonight. And for some of us, it's just a reminder because we knew this information. But again, I guess the question is, are we resting secure in what we know to be true? Or are we trying to add to what Jesus has done for us? And so in this initial conversation about law v. faith, I hope what you're seeing is that law loses because it can't save and none of us could ever keep the law anyway. And that faith in Jesus is our hope. And so the simple thought I want you to walk out of here tonight with, and like I said, this is just getting our feet wet. Next week we go deeper, the week after a little deeper than that. But tonight what I want you to know is that we are saved through faith in Jesus alone. That's it. That's what we got to come back around. That's what we got to celebrate. Again, that's what we need to be reminded of. For some of you, this is first time information. You are saved through Jesus alone. You are not saved because of how hard you try, which also means something amazing. You're not ruled out if you know you can't do it yourself. That you're loved. And that Jesus has lived the life for you and I. And so let me ask you some questions. If you're not a follower of Jesus, have you been trying to save yourself? Have you been just doing your best and beating yourself up and, God, I promise I'll get it next time? Have you been trying to save yourself? Or what about this? Have you been living in fear because you know you can't save yourself? Have you been looking around going, well, I'm not even going to try this God stuff because I just know I'm going to make a mess of it. I know there's no way I'll ever be accepted by God because you are accepted by God as you put your faith in him. He came to live the life you and I failed to live and died in our place and rose back from the dead and beat death and beat that prison of sin in our lives. And what we do is we respond to him with faith. If you are a follower of Jesus, let me ask you a couple questions. Are you trying to save yourself? Are you trying to add to what Jesus has done for you? Have you, like the Galatians, stopped resting in what he's accomplished for you 
and tried to start earning some things from him? Or are you just resting securely in your Savior? What does that mean, Doug? What does it mean to rest securely? I mean, how do I do that? My son Landon came home from school this week. He's six years old and and he was really upset about something, and his little heart was broken about something, and he just came in, and, and I, was, I was sitting on the couch, and I was working, and Kelly walks in, and she's got Landon in her arms, and, and he's just got his face buried in her, in her shoulder, and he's crying, and, and she comes over and drops him on me, and, and Landon just sat on me and let me hold him for like 20 minutes, and he just had his little head on, on my shoulder and just tears in his eyes, and we were talking about what he went through, and he's upset, and I you know, talking him through it. And I actually videoed the whole thing so when he's 16, I can prove to him he once loved me. And uh, so we went through that whole thing. But there he is, and I'm just holding him. And I'll tell you this, he wasn't trying to support himself. He wasn't trying to stand up on his own. He was just resting in me. He was letting me hold his entire weight in my arms and be that comfort and love him and be all to him I could be in that moment. And that's a little bit of a picture of what it means to rest securely in our Savior. Are you trying to prop yourself up? Are you trying to, you know, walk on your own legs, so to speak, and say, God, look what I can do. I, look, look, look how much I'm performing. Look, look at the ways I'm keeping the law. Or are you and I just hopelessly, in, in any sense of, of accomplishing anything on our own, just resting securely in him, saying, Jesus, help me. I got nothing, <laughs> I got nothing in and of myself. I can't get things right when I'm doing it on my own strength, but I'm going to rest securely in you. I have some friends who've adopted kids out of some tough situations. And, you know, I've, I've seen them come into their homes and I've seen something powerful at play. And I think it's a lot like us as Christians. Here's what I've seen. I've seen people come out of really terrible backgrounds where they were fear driven backgrounds where if they did the wrong thing, they were going to get beat for it. And then I've seen them come into an environment of love and it's taken time to get used to that environment of love. It's taken time to to start to understand it's not a fear-based environment. It's not a threatening environment. It's a love and it's an environment of acceptance and grace. And I, I think the kids that come into those homes can fall back into some old patterns of trying to perform and keep rules and do what's right on the basis of earning love and acceptance. And I think that's like us sometimes. If you're a follower of Jesus, I think sometimes we fall back into that, okay, I'm going to do something for you, God, and you'll love me more. Do you know that on your worst day as a follower of Jesus, you're loved as much as on your best day as a follower of Jesus? You know that on your, your worst day as a follower of Jesus, you're accepted as much as you are as on your best day as a follower of Jesus? I mean, I think of Landon. There's nothing that kid could ever tell me that will make me love him less or accept him less. And so are you and I resting securely in our Savior or are we leaning back toward the law and the rules? And, and listen, hear me on this. And we're going to spend a lot of time on week three in this. I'm not saying we don't do the right thing. I'm just saying, if you and I are trying to do the right thing so that God loves us, we're wasting our time. If Jesus died on a cross in our place, then why would we have to try to earn anything from him? 
And so if you're a follower of Jesus, you have his acceptance, you have his love, and you have his approval. Don't try to earn anything from him, but rest securely in his love. Like I said, in week three, we're going to talk about this because I'm not saying don't do the right thing, but here's what happens. The why and the how changes. Why you do the right thing and how you do the right thing, that changes when you become a follower of Jesus. And here's what I need you to know tonight. Just a little thought that I hope will kind of carry over until we get to week three. Because you're like, Doug, you got to you know, leave me hanging here. The more secure you and I are in God, the more our lives will honor him. Okay? So I'm not saying go out there, hey, hey guys, guess what? We got a keg in the cafe. We're just going to go for it tonight. Have fun. It's not what I'm saying. We should still live holy lives, but the how and the why change. It's not to earn his acceptance or his approval. You and I have that. And the more secure you rest in God's love, the more your life begins to honor him. The more you see him for who he is, the more you believe he is this loving father who gave a son for you, the more your life will honor him. So yeah, let's aim at holiness. Again, week three, that's coming, right? But for now, this week, will you focus on the fact that you and I are saved through faith in Jesus alone? Can we stop trying to add to that? And can we stop condemning ourselves when we fall short? We should grow in our relationship with God. We should become more like Jesus as we go. But listen to me, we're going we're gonna to miss that mark every single day for the rest of our lives. And so can you just understand that for the rest of your life, you're going to have to learn how to lean securely and rest in God's loving arms. So if you're not a follower of Jesus tonight, I would love for you to put your faith in Jesus. You don't have to. This is no twisting of arms. But if, man, if something I said tonight has shown you the amazing love of God, the acceptance of God, the unconditional love of God, and you want to put your trust in him, then I'll let you do that in just a minute as I kind of close in prayer. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I just want you to rest securely in his love. And when we talk about law versus faith, I hope we're seeing very clearly tonight that law loses and faith in Jesus alone wins. Let's pray. God, thank you that you have not asked us to earn our way to you. You have not asked us to earn acceptance or love from you. Thank you for forgiving us and loving us And God, I just am so grateful that I can rest in you like my little boy can rest in me. And that you love me to such greater degrees than even I love my son. And you love the people sitting in this room in that same way, God. And I just pray tonight for any of us that have been trying to earn our our way to you. We've been trying to perform our way to you and, and keep the law and the rules to a place where you'll be happy with us. God, I thank you that tonight you are... You are in love with every single one of us because of what Jesus did. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've been trying to add to what Jesus has been doing and you've been stressed out about your relationship with God and you know you've not been resting securely in him, I would just ask you now just to bring those areas of your life to him that you've been struggling with, those ways you feel you've been falling short and just ask him for forgiveness but also ask him for the ability to accept his love for you in those areas. And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to put your trust in Jesus tonight, I want to encourage you to pray a simple prayer, something like this, just quietly between you and God. Jesus, thank you for coming and living the life I could never live. 
Thank you for dying in my place, for rising back from the dead and beating death. Thank you that you love me. And I pray, God, that I will see how real you are and that my security in you will help me to live in a way that pleases you. But here and now, God, I understand that this is all a gift from you. And so I'm choosing to put my faith in Jesus. In your name I pray.